So today, we are continuing our talks about spiritual authority. Now, authority can be looked at in a lot of different lights. Like, if you'll go back in the archives, we did uh, like a five-week series on authority, which spoke to like civil authorities, government authority. We talked about the church a little bit there, but we were speaking more to authority in general. And uh, it was really in the height of COVID, so I think it was the spring of 2020. But I was teaching on it here. And we went through just a real detail on are there times when you should stand in alignment, yes sir, to governmental authorities? And the answer is yes. And there are also times when the answer should be no. And so in that, in that series, if you go back and find it, I think it's on the podcast. Um, I know we did it at the Kaleo School in Mexico. Um, but uh, there's also times when you need to stand up. And you actually stand in opposition to that. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were under a tyrannical rule. And they were being commanded to bow down to an idol. And they stood up against it. When authority violates the word of God or violates your conscience, you need to oppose it. It's it's in a nutshell. So a subtopic of authority, the big one, is a uh, micro topic, which would be spiritual authority. The the subtopic of that would be. So that's what we're doing is we're taking just a couple of weeks, two or three weeks to talk about spiritual authority because we really want to talk about the culture of honor. And uh, I feel like that that you can't speak about one without the other. That you can that, uh, you can spend weeks talking about the culture of honor and discovering gifts inside of people and launching people and fueling people and that kind of thing. But if you don't actually take time to talk about what church authority looks like, you can really end up in a lot of goofy stuff. You can end up in error. And so that's my heart. Um, like any subject, there's always a, an abuse. Most of us, when we've heard church authority stuff, have been around a lot of abuses. We've seen people um, who have uh, really, really hurt others by church authority. A lot of people have been really hurt in a negative way by the church because of an abuse in authorities. And um, uh, several years ago, there was a thing called the shepherding movement. Anyone ever heard of the shepherding movement before? So the shepherding movement was kind of before our, our time. Um, I would say probably 80s. Shepherding movement was pastors and leaders were like dictating the details of their church members' lives. Like, buy this car, don't buy this car. Sell your house, bring it to the apostles, you know, bring it to, bring it to us. And it was like a, an abuse. It was a very dangerous thing, and it hurt a lot of people. And so that was a shepherding movement. So when those kinds of movements were happening in the church, it was a real big turnoff. It was a major turnoff to, uh, to the hearers. And so when a lot of that generation grew, you know, the, this, the, the spectrums flipped the other direction. And, uh, and then there was very little spiritual authority, authority taught in the church. And so I, I want to give it... I kind of want to shine light on both sides because we, we have to know that there's a ditch to fall into. And we have to be careful not to fall into the ditch. However, we don't live in fear. We're just going to respond to the truth of the Word of God. Like we want to see what is the truth here? What is God saying? And so what I'm talking to you about, particularly last Wednesday, that's on podcast. And today, this is something that should apply to you for the rest of your life. You know, some of you are here with with us for a year, some are here for a couple years, some are here for two or three years. Some are here for a long call, and they're just going to run with Mikhail for a long time. And so everyone's different, though. 
everyone here came from, in, in this room at the moment, everyone came from a different body at one point. Which tells me at some point you'll probably move on to another body. Life will happen. Seasons will change. A job will change. Someone will get married. Someone will go off. Like You will change spiritual authorities in your life. Or you'll, you'll bring in, introduce others to that. Um, I will tell you that in my experience, it's healthy to, to not have frequent changes of spiritual authorities. If you have ongoing changes of pastors and leaders, there's usually something going on internally with, with you, per se. Now, uh, Kayla and I, the last church we were in, we were in there for like 10 years, maybe more than that. Um, before that, it was my whole life. So I've only been in like three churches, I think my whole life. But I've been in very few. Because once you connect, that that is the Lord has put that in your life for a season. But then, of course, we, we moved, we felt called to Mexico, and we came. And so our the way we responded to those authorities changed, and we had new spiritual leaders in our life. Right? We've all experienced these types of transitions. So what I'm telling you. I want you to hear my heart that it's not for my benefit for the next 12 months, but this is for your benefit for the rest of your life. That you can take this, and if you'll apply it wherever the Lord moves you, be it here or anywhere else, it will do good for you. And it will be healthy for you. And this is also good for us because a lot of times we get people who come from other churches. People look up Iris um, on, on, uh, online, and it trickles down. They find Kaleo, and then they find Antioch. Like we get people from, we get church people. And so this is a good recording to have just to show, hey, this is how we want to do things here because it's important to communicate. So last uh, Wednesday particularly, we talked about relating to authority. There is a way that God has designed spiritual authority in our life that if we will relate to it properly, it'll, it'll work benefit for you. It'll work benefit for us. And I practice this myself. And because I practice it, I reap the benefits of it. It really fuels my life. It fuels my own internal life. Aside from church, I mean my own personal journey with God. Because I, I work this, it works inside of me. And it's a blessing. And so um, I want to shine light on a couple of things. I don't want to bring the full emphasis here. But we need to know what a false authority looks like. You should know what a false apostle or a false prophet, you should know what that looks like. There are certain attributes in that. That if you move on in time, that you should know that's not for me. And that you should re realign yourself. You should sincerely pray about where you're supposed to be. That if you see these kinds of things, they should be red flags to you. And they should tell you, uh, no. I can't tell you how many people have passed through here, either for a short season or a long season, where they said, I was in this church and something smelled wrong. Something was wrong there. And then that person didn't know who this person was, but they came. They said, yeah, I went to this church over here, the same church. Something was wrong with something. And several people, not leaders, I'm talking about just everyday people, would go visit the same church. And they said, we were there for a little while, but something wasn't right. And everyone could kind of smell it. Anyone ever, you ever smelt something wrong with a group of people before? It's, you're, you know, typically you should trust your nose. You should typically trust your nose. I, I like to have, you know, uh, I like to have women around me like y'all and, and Marcella. Like if, if Marcella doesn't feel good about something, I kind of go with what she says. Because there's a nose on her that it's almost like, you know, we, you know the, uh, at the border, the, the policemen, have, they have dogs. And they trust the nose 
on those animals because they're sensitive and they have a trained nose to find drugs, to find corruption. Likewise, they're, I think ladies particularly have a nose for things. And sometimes they can just smell something not right with that. And I just trust it, you know, blindly. Sometimes, you know, like, I'm just going to go what she says because I just trust her nose more than mine. There are things that we've wanted to do before, and, uh, you know, um, what, one particular thing, Marcella had a nose for it, and we said, uh, no, we're not going to do that. No, I just go with her. I guess it's wise. So, trust your nose. If it doesn't pass the smell test, that's what we call it in business, if it doesn't pass the smell test, it doesn't pass. So, you should always have that with authority. If there's something that doesn't smell right, either have the conversation with that leader, or, or, you need, or move out of there. It's the safest thing for you to, to move out. Probably move out more than the conversation. You're probably not going to fix the problem. So there are specific things to look for in an authority that is, a, that is an error that you should watch out for. And it's really what we call the Jezebel spirit or a spirit of control. Spirit of control, we did a whole message on it sometime in the summer. If you'll go and find that. It's very detailed into this, and you can really dive in there. But three particular attributes of, a, of an authority, or just an, a, three particular attributes of a Jezebel spirit or a spirit of control, is intimidation, manipulation, and domination. They're the three stages. It starts with intimidating, then manipulating, and then fully and domination. So the Bible speaks to this. Matthew 20, verse 26. It says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. You know, Kayla and I work real hard to be the hardest working people in the room. We try to, we try to model it. Like we just, we, we want others to, to do what we're doing. So rather than bark orders, everyone, we just, let's get to work. Let's start working this thing. Let's Let's show this is how we're doing it. This is the mission God's called us to. Let's work. Let's work hard. Let it be known that we're, we're working hard. If leaders that you're around, you don't see them moving, something's a little tweaky. I've seen some goofy stuff. I've seen leaders that don't do anything. Uh, I saw one leader in Atlanta that the church was so honoring of this leader that he had people around him. They would, he was sitting down in a chair like this, and they hoisted him up on stage. In Atlanta, you know what I'm talking about? They hoisted him up on stage, and they were carrying him around like, like a king. Isn't that crazy? He got cancer, and he, he's died. He, he put himself in a bad place. <laughs> he got cancer and died. Like, it opened him up to some problems. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if that guy's in heaven, to be honest. But the honor was so bad that it... It got out of control. He tried to tried to clean it up later and was like, I lost control of the service. I I totally he, he allowed it to happen. Someone with the with the Jezebel spirit of prophet stirred this whole event and he didn't shut it down. So first Peter five seven, it says, not domineering, be not it tells us not to be not domineering over those in your charge. Not dominating. Another another uh, translation says, "Don't lord over them." Well, that's what's happening in shepherding movement. Sell your house. We could really use this for the children's church building, you know. Or you shouldn't buy that car. You should buy this one because that's not being a good steward. Like just overstepping the boundaries. Don't lord it over them. Those are signs of of corruption in leadership. Those are signs you should watch out for. 
Not to say you should live with these flags on, but if you feel like there's this ding 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 happen, and you're just like, hey, that's you're you're out of you're out of shepherding, you're out of giving advice, you're out of out of that. Now you're into a realm of control, and so that's that's bad. We should know those things, and you should pay attention to that. Um, the error in seeing authority and and recognizing false authority, the error that most people fall to fall into is that they start to reject. All authorities, all spiritual authorities. We're particularly talking about the church. There's that most people, they, they will swing from this error and come into this other error. They will leave this ditch of their controlling, manipulating, telling me that I have to auto-draft my tithe every two weeks. That, that's an error. Like, that's, that's wrong. But to go into this other ditch that says, I don't trust any authorities in my life or I keep them all at bay, that is equally an error. And that's, it's, it's not good for you. It's not good for your heart. So I want to strike the middle here. So most understand neither spiritual authority, nor have they been taught to relate with authority, so that works in their life for good. And the result is that they reject it. What happens in rejecting all authority? Is people become wanderers. A lot of people have YouTube ministries. Wandering prophets with no community to live out what they are believing, what they have in God. Wandering prophets on social media, wandering apostles on social media, wandering self-proclaimed whatever office that they're choosing. Or maybe they were called at one point in that, but now they have no fellowship. That wandering is an error. God's called us to live out what we believe in Him with people, like we're supposed to have relationships. We can all say we're at peace with God, but if we're not at peace with our brother, where we've not fully carried out the inworking of the Holy Spirit, it has not become the outworking of the Holy Spirit. Um, James one twenty two says, "Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves." So the error of rejecting all authority, of rejecting all community, is that you end up in isolation. You end up wandering and it opens the door for you to hear the word only. I'm going to live life. I'm just going to watch social media. I'm going to watch uh, the, uh, the live stream. I'm going to watch the Zoom. I'm going to listen to the e-course. So all good things. But if I have no community, James says, don't be a hearer only. You've got this word that you believe. It has to be something that you practice because if you don't practice it, you're going to open yourself up to deception. What's the deception? Is believing that you have something without it working out in your life. That is a deception. You know, this is so common with, with, the, with the charismatic church. I believe in healing. I believe in being set free. I believe in deliverance. But most people don't have an outworking practicing, going after it. Most people don't have an outworking of that. That's why, that's why like, a MacGuffin is so important. It's, it is good to take care of the poor, but we gotta, we got to outwork this stuff. We need to lay hands on some people. we got to see some people get healed. we got to see some people not get healed. we got to see some people get delivered. we got to see some people not get delivered because we have to see how much virtue is actually flowing through our life. Like we, that's how we measure how we're doing. We can see, am I, when I lay hands on people, are they getting delivered? If nobody, it's one thing if not all of them get delivered, and some of them are, but if nobody gets delivered when you lay hands on them, then you have to go back to God and say, God, you said that I would lay hands on the sick. You said that those 
uh, your believers, God, that they would, they would lay hands on the demonized, and in your name they would cast out demons. You said this, God, and you have to have this contention with God so that you can go outwork it in the natural. And then you have a very real life happening. And so this is really what we call the principle of truth. 1 John 4, 20 and 21, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. This is practicing the truth. If you say you love God, but you hate people, God says you are a liar. You're lying. You say you love God. God, I love you. He says, no, you don't. That is not true. You are not. You are lying. Look at the next part. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. So the principle of the truth of practicing the truth of not lying is that what we have in God we experience in our relationship with people. And so there is a scheme of the enemy that is assigned to believers. This is, this is assigned to, to Christians, current Christians. I'm not talking about just the world. I'm talking about believers. And the scheme of the enemy is the scheme of isolation. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For we are not aware of his, the devil's, schemes. You know what that means? Is he's planning something. The devil, God has a plan for us, but the devil has a plan for us as well. Those are called schemes. And so a scheme, by definition, is a large-scale, systematic plan or arrangement for attaining a particular object or putting a particular idea into effect. So, in short, Satan's scheme is a large-scale, systematic plan to put an idea into your life. The scheme of the enemy, when it comes to the flock of God, is to isolate you. And he has a large-scale plan to turn your heart against an authority. If he can get that little turn, it is just a step in his plan. And I want to shine a light on it. I want you to see it. That if you ever feel that, if you ever feel that, that turn, what's that turn mean? It means that authority is against you and not for you. That is a turn in the heart. And it is part of the enemy's plan to isolate you, to break you away. This is a scheme and uh, it's, it's a sign to believers that, that, that he wants to get them out of the church, get them out of the flock, get them out from covering, get them out from a spiritual alignment, break them away from God's plan in the earth. Spiritual authority is not about top-down leadership. It's not, it's not what it's about. It is about an assignment of God in the earth. Most have misunderstood authority and thought, oh, this is, this is the my way or the highway talk. And it's really not. It's... God has an assignment in the earth, and that assignment will go forward with order, or that assignment won't go forward. And so that is what authority is about. It is about a spiritual assignment in the earth. So, do you trust the Lord? Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Do you trust the Lord? Do you know that that trust with God, you have to have an outworking of that? There should be evidence in your trust with people, both with your peers and with, with us, your, your pastors. Like, there should be an outworking there. There should be a, a trust there. But if the enemy comes in and he says, you can't trust your brother and you can't trust your pastors, 
he starts isolating you. It's the plan. Again, hear my heart. I'm not telling you something that will benefit us for the next 12 months. I'm telling you something that I believe will benefit you for the rest of your life. That if you will carry this, that wherever you go in the, in, in the world, wherever you go, whatever leadership you end up under, like there is a trust that you're supposed to have, not just with the Lord and your peers, but with spiritual authorities in your life, not just the initial pastor, but the leaders over them. There is a, a trust that's supposed to happen there. And if you cannot have that trust, you should pray and sincerely ask God, God, would you put me in a place where I can because you have to have that outworking. If you don't have that outworking, I'm telling you, it's an open door to deception. If I could not trust Josh and Olivia, if I couldn't trust them with what we're doing and the direction we're going, I would have to sincerely pray. But I believe God put us here. I believe our, the Lord ordered our steps, and it's, it's where we're supposed to be, so we have that. Satan's game plan is to get you to believe that an authority's intentions are not for you, but against you. Once isolated, you're in the greatest state of vulnerability. You know, think about it how, um, you know, animals in the wild, how they pursue their prey. Like it's, it's that little one that gets off. It's not the pack. It's the little one that gets off from the pack that the enemy goes after, right? That the predator goes after. It's the one who strays away. That's why in Luke uh, 14, 15, um, you know, you have the stories about the lost sheep. Why does the master leave the 99 to go for the one? Because the one is vulnerable. It's not the pack. It's the one. And he leaves him and says, I will go after that one and bring it back in. Psalm, excuse me, Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. Seeks his own desire. Listen to the second part. He rages against all sound judgment. Isolation is an open door. And listen to what it says. He rages. Rage is not an adjective. Rage is a demon. Right? Rage is a problem. Like, you can start with, I'm angry, but rage is, is demonic. You know, when who's that guy, that the, the Astroworld uh, incident that happened this year? Um Travis uh, Scott. They were there was a point in that in that uh, concert when everyone was like being hoisted up and you got like dead bodies floating on the crowd. And he says, "All right, y'all, we're gonna rage in here." And everyone says it together: "Rage, rage, rage." No, that is that's that's hell. The sound of hell right there. You know what? But it's rage. It was a it was a spirit. That that's demonic. It's not. It's not natural. The Bible says he who isolates himself rages against sound judgment. Isolation uh, is not good. The prodigal son, I mean, we know the story, is in isolation. He took his inheritance and he made bad decisions. You know, Adam and Eve, throughout that story where God says you can eat of any garden, any fruit of the tree of the garden, except for the one of the knowledge of good and evil. You can't have that one. Eve gets off by herself. She's isolated away from Adam, who's her initial covering. And Satan says, did God really say you can't have this? Did he say this wasn't good for you? What's he doing? He is twisting her view of her authority. 
Did God say that if you did this, you'd be like him? Is that what really, like, do you, so, and that's what the enemy does, is he gets that person and gets them slowly turning. Isolated, then turns, and eventually compromised. Now, isolated, turn, then compromise with a bad view of God. What does Adam, what do Adam and Eve immediately, immediately do when they leave in sin? The Bible says they sewed fig leaves together. When you come out from the covering that God's given you, you immediately will seek to cover yourself. And they sought to cover themselves, to hide. The pattern of the enemy, the trap, the scheme is to get us into bondage. If he can get our view of church in general, of eh, that's just the place to go, or eh, they're, they're not really for me, or they're really just about themselves, or like they kind of get these things in your head, it will get you turned away. It will get you isolated. Eventually, if the, should the enemy find you a weak area in your life, you compromise. And then once you compromise, you're in bondage because you've closed off that, that reach relationship. What's the point is so that if I believe that that authority is against me, in my bondage, I will not seek help. I will stay in bondage because I believe that they're against me. But if I believe they're for me, then God has put that in your life to help you get out. So that you don't stay there. So that you don't have to live in that. That's why God gave it to us. That's the, why I have authorities in, in, in my life. Is should I need help? It's just a phone call away. Say, hey, you know, I just I need some help. I'm 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 battling something. I need some help. Trusting that that without that trust, it's it's really really hard to grow. It's really really hard. For us to grow in life, if we can't have someone in our life that we can be transparent with, someone in our life that we can be just open with, like, look, this is what's really going on. With the absence of that, growth doesn't happen. Your internal growth with God, with the absence of transparency, freedom doesn't happen. It doesn't work. Like, it's something about the light, coming into the light and talking. You know, sometimes that is a peer one to, one to another. Other times it's it's with, with Kayla and Kayla and myself or other leaders with us. But if you believe that we're against you, if you believe that we, we would harm you or that we would condemn you or that we would shame you for coming to us, then you'll always keep that hidden. That's the plan of the enemy. You know, there's a certain role that spiritual authority should have in your life, be it here or anywhere else. The first one, if we can shift to the roles biblical biblically. The first one is to provide guidance. The, this great story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is a story of, of Eli, who's a priest, and Samuel, the boy Samuel, um, under his care. Samuel was in bed, and the Lord called to him and said, Samuel, Samuel. You know what's interesting is when Samuel heard the voice of God, he thought it was the voice of Eli. He got up and he went to him, and he said, did you call me? Eli says, no, I didn't, I didn't call you. He says, go, go to sleep. You go to sleep. And Samuel, Samuel, he calls him again. And uh, he says, hey, you called me. He's like, no, I didn't call you. He, go back, he goes back to bed, and he hears Samuel, Samuel. He's like, 
Hey, Eli, you're calling me. What's... What is this? Is this like a, a bad TikTok video? Like, why do you keep calling me? Like, why are, you keep, why are you pranking me? What's going on? And he says, the Lord's speaking to you. When you go back, lay down. And when he says, Samuel, Samuel again, tell him, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Samuel goes back to his bed. He lies down. He hears Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Spiritual authority does not keep you from God. It facilitates a connection with God. It is never the mediator between you and God. It's the facilitator. It's someone who says, hey, if you'll do this, I bet you it'll work out. He guided him so that he could hear God's voice better. That God was already speaking to him. He just didn't know how to recognize it. But through guidance, his own hearing of God got sharpened. That's what, that's what should be happening. You know, uh, when we do treasure hunts, if you ever join us on one of those, that's what's happening. We're just sharpening our hearing. We're sharpening our ability to hear God. Matthew 23, verse 27 to 29. What do you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. So Jesus is calling out hypocrisy by being clean on the outside, but being dirty on the inside. So what do we do to get clean on the inside? How do we get our, into our inner world cleaned up? I believe it's through transparency. I think it's through saying, hey, look, this is what's happening in my life. I really want to grow. And there's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is actually part of the cleansing process. It is part of sanctification. It is part of working out what you desire to happen in your spirit, getting victory in your life. Part of it is being open. It's saying, hey, look, if you'll shine light on dirty areas, they become clean areas. If you believe that God is for you, you won't run from him. You will run to him. If you believe that God is for you, it's a, you know, the Bible says that we come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need. So the throne of grace is for our needs. It's for our dirt. It's for our mess. It's for whatever we've done that's wrong. That's why his throne of grace is there. He says, come to me. Come to me. Like, I want you like that. Like, I, I'm not afraid of your garbage. I'm not afraid of your junk. I'm not afraid of your failure. I'm not afraid of your shame. I'm not afraid of anything that you think you've done. I'm not afraid of it. He says, come to my throne of grace that you can find grace, you can find mercy in your time of need. Because when you come to him, you say, this is my life and it sucks and I failed miserably. He says, that's how I want you. That's where, that's where I meet you. That's where I can, that's where I can do, do, do my part. Like he's in the cleansing business. You know, part of the role of spiritual authority is to provide protection. I don't know if you'll know this, but not everyone who comes to church uh, has everyone's best interest in mind. Um, I mean, I've seen some really weird stuff over a lot of years at church. People that come for 
for gritty, gritty schemes, multi-level marketing schemes for seeking clients, seeking business, seeking customers. Had one guy come for a photo op once. He wanted to do a photo op and uh, send it back to his, his ministerial group because it really helps generate financial revenue. Like, I mean, people, there, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. And I know no one wants to hear that. Everyone thinks everyone has good intentions. But it's just not true. <laughs> Some people have really bad intentions with church people. You know, the reason the uh, essential oils was so prevalent within the church is because the guys that were inventing it, one, they were con artists, but the people that are over two of the main essential oils companies, they say, get it into the church, they'll do anything. The church people, they think, they think they're entrepreneurs. And so a lot of the main oil companies are pumping through the church. And the guys at the top are, are con artists, wolves, seeking out gullible people. And so wolves, it's part of our job. It's Kayla. Kayla is the best at, uh, she has a nose for, for controlling people. And Kayla's personality and controlling people don't work very well. And so it's really, if I have a problem with controlling people, I just send Kayla in and it just, it blows up really quickly. And then, then the, the problem goes away. It's really nice, actually. But there are people who come in that have bad intentions that want, want to hurt. And, um, man, I don't want to say any examples, but, but uh, not everyone that comes has everyone's best interests in mind. And so part of our job as shepherds is to beat off wolves and run off wolves. Anyone that we think that could harm someone or plant seeds, bad seeds in people. We, we, Kayla and I, we confront hard. And my, the error that I've been in is I haven't confronted hard enough or fast enough. And that's, that's, I've had to, I've had to regret, come to regret that, is that, you know, I would, there are times where I would deal with people that were coming in as a wolf to others, and I'd say, i call Josh and say, hey, Josh, what do you think about this? And it's like, this is kind of what's going on, and this is what's happening in their heart. This is what I, I discern. You know, I could be wrong, but this is, this is what I'm observing. What do you think about this? Nine times out of ten, Josh is 10 times harder and 10 times faster than I am. And I think, oh, man, I'm just being hard. I'm being a hard person. I'm like, you know, I, I don't think I'm being strong enough. And so that's something I'm growing in and just recognizing, wow, someone did not have everyone's best intention in mind. They had ulterior motives. They had a personal agenda. They had a personal thing that was going, off, going on. And part of our job is to run that off. You know, I asked uh, about a year or so ago, we prayed for Matthew and Shalia. Just, hey, help us give pastoral care. You know what we're saying is, help us smell if there's a wolf among us. Is there, is there anything around? Is, there, is, is someone being harmed? Is someone not being taken care of? You know, I care is not my first gift. My first gift is go, okay? And so I need help. Like, I need a Matthew and Shalia that have, that have just a heart of compassion. Like, I, I, like I, I'm weak in that area, so I need help. I need help because mine is, is this way. And so we surround ourselves with people who, who also have a nose. And so part of that umbrella, and you should find this in every spiritual authority that you, you are ever around, be it here or somewhere else. I propose in 10 years, you'll probably be somewhere else. You'll probably be under a new, new umbrella. That authority is responsible to keep wolves away from your life. 
Maybe he'll be one of the ones who, who grow. Maybe God will say, hey, I, Angie, I need you to be in charge of the youth group. I need you to be in charge of, you know, these three or four girls and make sure that everything's going well. And you have a job, part of, to impart life to them, but also you keep the wolves away. Like parents are entrusting their kids with us and it's our job to keep the wolves away. Um, uh, in protection, it's to prioritize your heart. Prioritize your heart over your ministry. A pastor of mine uh, did this with me so well, and I hated it at the time. I had a lot of battles that I was fighting, and, and Kayla and I were young in marriage. And I wanted to do ministry. I wanted to go for it, and my pastor wouldn't let me do it. I said, nope, nope. But, but I can do this, and look what I can do, look at this. Nope. <clears throat> you know, people really hate that. Stop. <laughs> Makes them mad. That's not one person, that's universal. Like, people don't like, nope. Oh. You know what that is? That's a good shepherd. That says your heart is more important than your ministry. A good spiritual authority will value your heart first. Value in your heart. This is a, this is a responsibility um, for, for spiritual authority. I better move quickly. Um, another role authority should have is to help you, not lord over you, but to help you prioritize God's order in your life. To tell you, that there are certain things that you should have in order. I'm not going to go to anyone's house and say, hey, this is what we're doing. But I have a responsibility to tell you that, hey, you should prioritize Sunday morning. Prioritize this thing. Fight for that. Fight for that gathering. Fight for it. Get, like, find a way to get there. Like, just show up. So, well, what if no one else is there? What if they're not there? What, doesn't matter. You show up. Like, it's your job to make this a priority in your life, not out of religiosity, but the principle of first, that I'm going to honor the Lord with the first day of the week. It's found in Acts 20, verse, verse 1, where the disciples, they gathered together on the first day of the week is when they gathered. Because the next day, Paul was setting sail. It's the pattern of the early church. Like, we need to prioritize that. We have many things going on in the week. I get it. We all have schedules. We're busy people. But I'm telling you, Erica is so blessed. And I use her for some examples because she does a lot of stuff right. She, when she got that job with Cracker Barrel, she said, Sunday, this is where I'm at. And she set the tone. And if they weren't going to give that to her, you're not, I, I can go somewhere else. And I applaud her for that. I thought, well done. Like, you should fight for that. Guard for that. Negotiate for that. If you'll stand up, I'm telling you, God will honor you. God will, if you'll do those things. There are certain things, you, I, I've been becoming more and more disciplined about prayer early in the mornings, like making the first things like, yeah, I've got a lot to do. I've got way many things happening around here that need my attention that I need to go do, but I've got to get that prayer time in. If I have two hours less in the day because I put two hours in the front of the day, it's okay. I get more things done the, long, the more I pray. The more time I spend with Jesus, the better the day goes. The more time I spend with Jesus, the more in line everything goes. Prioritizing your own devotion with God. You know, I used to be a night person. I'm telling you, things have changed for me. When I became a morning person, not, not that I enjoy the mornings, but that I put my devotion in the morning, things have changed. Now I'm telling you, if you will prioritize that little Bible thing, the Bible app, or whatever you do with God, if you will put that at the front of your day, I'm telling you, you will see the blessing of the Lord on the rest of your day. There's something about it. You give God your first, he, he honors you. So this is something that, that I want to that 
exhort you with. You know, that's about as far as I can go. That if you'll give God a chance on this, and you'll make it, make it right, prioritize, build your life around your relationship with God, things will go well for you. If you'll plan your, plan your week around, I, I got to be there that Sunday morning. I got a trip going by. I got to be there. Things will go well. We found it in our own personal life um, because we have to be here. You know, we can't just not show up. But in doing that, we've been so rewarded. And I really think you'd be rewarded too. Um, I encourage you to do that with, with your family. Call, call, your, call your family into this. This would be awesome. Uh, part of roles of spiritual authorities are to, are to make sound judgments. Sometimes there's a big call that has to be made. And just, you've got to make a call. Acts 15 is a great example of that. During that gathering, the apostles had gathered together. We had, I mean, you got Barnabas, you got Peter, you got Paul, you got all the big boys are there. And then the second half of the chapter it says, and James passed his judgment. The apostle James, like, he was the head guy. Like, there is a way of it going. And so if we start something new out of here, and we appoint someone as the head of that, I want to ask you to, to, be, to be honoring towards them. Be honoring towards them, because there's a reason that we appointed that person to do that. And that we want to empower them, because it's a part of the assignment. Recognizing that we all have a say, we all have an opinion, we all have things to be considered. But if we put someone in, in place for something, I want to just encourage you just, just to honor them. Just to honor them and say, you know what? That's what we're going to do. We're going to go there. And we're going to see what happens. If, if it fails, then yeah, let's, let's all talk. Let's, let's reconsider. But recognize the flow of authority. Um, there are certain virtues that happen in a spiritual authority that do not happen outside of it. There are some certain virtues that we have to get. One of them is cultivating a submissive spirit. You know, when that pastor of mine, <laughs> I didn't say that pastor, that pastor, <laughs> that pastor of mine, when he did that, I was very upset, personally. Um, but it cultivated something in me. Because I had to came back and continue to serve and continue to be involved and continue just, what can I do to help? And I was... I had a lot of gifts in my life, but my, the pastor's wife was like, Adrian, you see those plants right there? Why don't you take the water bottle? And I want you to make sure those are clean every Sunday. Thanks for the responsibility. <laughs> right? And I'm going in. Clean the plants. You know what that word cultivates? Faithfulness. Faithfulness is cultivated under authority. Why do we value authority? Because there are things that you just don't cultivate outside of it. Sometimes it just in their plants. And that piano's dusty today. Let's make sure that's that's not dusty anymore because you know we want to represent the house of the Lord well. House of the Lord, polish the piano, <laughs> right? It cultivates faithfulness. It cultivates. It's a good. It's a virtue of the Holy Spirit. It's it's a gift. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Under authority, we cultivate a submissive spirit. You know, not a self-will. Self-will is, is an attitude. It starts off as an attitude, but it gets into a spirit. You know, if you continue in self-will, it becomes demonic. But self-will um, is really driven by head. It's driven by reason. It's driven by, um, by the flesh. What feels good. 
And so it's a fleshly thing. And so living under authority helps us work out, helps sand off these edges where we're not faithful. It helps cultivate and become faithful. I'm going to show up just because I'm going to show up, because I'm going to show up, because I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there because I'm expected to be there. I'm going to be here because I'm expected to be here. I'm going to do this because that's what I'm supposed to do. I was religious. said, no, it's just being faithful, actually. Practicing these things, it cultivates over time faithfulness, a virtue that will flow out of your life later. I'm living out of that spray, the plants. I'm living out of it now. Why? Because I need to be faithful. Because I need to be faithful. I need to show up because I need to show up. Again and again and again. The reason why people come on a Sunday is because I've created an expectation that we're going to be here. I used to call Freddie every Sunday and tell Freddie, hey, Freddie, we're having church today. You know, I didn't, I didn't call Freddie yesterday. We've created an expectation that we'll be here. And so when you create that, people will gather around that. But that, that goes in every area of your life. When you cultivate faithfulness, people can depend on it. People can look for it. And you can be entrusted with responsibility. When you are, you know what, me and Kayla, we, you know, we, we had some up times and down times throughout our college career, throughout our early, early ministry for sure. We weren't always on point. We were all, there were times that we were just exhausted, times we didn't want to be there, times we probably didn't need to be there. But we just kept showing up. And that created an expectation in the heart of, my, of our pastors. And because they saw that, you know what, they're just going to be there. We know we can count on them. Responsibility began to be delegated to us. Now, when responsibility began to be delegated to us, then we began to act in authority. Because you only have authority in a place you're responsible. And our authority began to increase in our life. Of course, we talked about that last week. Um, Living under authority puts to death selfish ambition. Helps you cultivate meekness. Helps you cultivate humility. Selfish ambition is an ugly thing. Uh, selfish ambition is uh, self-will. Um, you, it's like when you see something that you desire to happen and you make it happen. That's selfish ambition. It's, a, it's an Ishmael. You know, when Abraham is promised a child and they don't have one, they just go to Hagar instead and they make it happen. That's selfish ambition. Living under authority should help you work that out. So that you're not living out of selfish ambition. You know, if you live under selfish ambition, you'll make life decisions out of selfish ambition. You'll spend money you weren't supposed to spend. You'll buy things you weren't supposed to buy. You'll make major purchases you weren't supposed to purchase because you never got that thing worked out. And so while we're talking about a church thing, it's really just the source for what's happening in your life. Like if you don't work out selfish ambition, you don't, you don't work out faithfulness, if you don't work out these things here, it's not going to work out there in the home. In the home, you won't, you won't be faithful to whatever you're doing there. You won't be faithful with what you're supposed to take care of. You, it, it's not going to work out. You know, learning to be faithful in the little things even at church, you're going to attract faithful people to you. If you're unfaithful all the time, you'll attract unfaithful people to you. 
And so these are just principles, so we can put these into effect. We can make great sacrifices in our life. We can work long hours, labor without pay, give up sleep, seek ways to reach more people. And all this activity, our, co- our core motive could still be deceptively fueled by self-will. Self-will has to be crucified at the feet of Jesus. It has to be something that we live out. Is it done? Yes, it's done in the cross. Yes, Romans 6, that we died. In him we all died. But now that we've got to live this thing out, self-will has got to get put down. You know, there should be, there should be an, uh, a steady pattern about your life that, that should be evident to all of us. That we can see, oh, they're going to be here at this time. They're going to be here at this time. There should be an expectancy, not because we're robots, but because we've, we've cultivated something in the Holy Spirit. Um, living under, under authority should help facilitate a timely launch. Acts chapter 7 is a great, great passage of Stephen. When Stephen was selected um, as a man being filled with the Holy Spirit, they came, laid hands on him. He got to the Holy Spirit, or he got impartation. Miracles start happening, and he, you know, he became the first martyr. But the timing of his launch was appropriate. Acts 13, um, at Antioch, had prophets and teachers. They prayed, and they fasted, laid hands on people, and they sent him out. Authority helps you with timely transition. We will have, during your time here, you will have significant transitions. And... What I want to tell you is you, you don't have to do that by yourself. Kay and I don't desire to be in your business, but we are available to, to help pray with you as you need it. That if you're making a major transition, if there's a major decision in your life, you don't have to do it by yourself. If you're going through a major situation, that's what we're here for, is we want to pray with you. Well, I'm about to make this 15-year commitment, buy a house, or I'm buy a buy a 20-year commitment, or a 10-year commitment, buy a car, or whatever you're doing. I'm not saying we're, we want to judge whether you're supposed to do it or not. I'm just saying we would love to pray with you and help you so that you can arrive at a safe place. A lot of times we don't, the reason why we don't invite that in is because we're still battling self-will. I want that car. You know, I want that 2022. Like, I want that new whatever. So you don't want, you don't want any advice because you know the advice isn't going to be good. It's not going to be what you want. Like, that is self-will. Like, that's what we're, we're going to have to get worked on. Um, so leader, leaders and authorities, spiritual authorities should help you with good transitions. Um, lastly, the last point I'm going to talk about today is they should connect you to your tribe or your spiritual family. And through this, we're going to segue over the coming weeks into the culture of honor. And I can't tell you that... Um, I couldn't be more excited to talk about this. Like, I, I love this topic of the culture of honor, of talking about the family of God, the tribes of God, um, different circles of people in the earth. But through your spiritual family, you should get connected to your tribe. I was so thrilled when uh, Matthew and Shalia first came. I remember I've still got the audio recording um, where we were talking, and you were telling us how y'all left Kansas City or something, and you arrived. And I remember saying on that, on that recording, my people, you know, tribe is your family of God in the earth. It's not your natural family. It's, I don't know Chuck personally, like I don't know him really well, but I can, you know, you're with your people. It's your tribe when you're together. 
you know, we got to drive around Mexico a little bit. But you know, you're just with your people. Authority should connect you to that. It shouldn't separate you from that. We want all of you to be connected, not just to, to us as, as Antioch, but we want you to be connected to, to Kaleo. Utilize those family gatherings to connect. The first time Erica went, I said, Erica, what do you think? She said, I feel like I, I met family that I've, I've always had, but I've never met them before. But there is family there that you're supposed to be connected to. And there is, there's a grounding that happens when you know you're a part of something bigger than yourself. When you're a part of something bigger than here. There's a grounding in your spirit that takes place. You say, I'm a part of a family of God in the earth. Spiritual authority. We, we have a responsibility to make that bridge available to you. Only you can use it. We can't force you to use it, but we can make the bridge available. And say, if you'll use this, It'll be a blessing to your life. It, it'll ground you. It, it grounds you in identity. And when, does it doesn't mean we've all arrived. It just means that I'm on a journey and I'm not by myself. So um, I'm excited about the coming weeks. It's going to be really good. Um, through, through Honor and Tribe, we're going to talk about uh, the inheritance of sonship, of identity, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and of impartation. Impartation happens through honor. It happens through family. And I'm just pumped about this. So it's going to be good. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray, God, that we would just hear your heart this morning on what is spiritual authority, God? How, what role is it supposed to have in our life? How can we utilize it so that we can grow? How can we step out on new things, Father God? God, I pray in Jesus' name that, um, that we would catch the revelation of it, Lord. That in this time of really instruction, I pray that we would take it to heart. That we can now make wise decisions. That we would not be governed by the flesh. That we would not be governed by selfish ambition. Or governed by self-will. Or lack faithfulness in our life, God. But I pray, God, that now um, your virtues that you've designed to flow under authority, God. I pray that they would just develop on a new level now. So, Father, I just call our own family up. And I say, let's just go up a little higher and walk a little closer to you. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen.